Welcome to The Third Opinion, presented by Full Circle Health. Join us each week as we delve into the world of integrative and functional medicine through discussions, interviews, lecture series, and more. Our experts have been on both sides of the Western medical system and understand the frustrations associated with getting real answers about all of the available treatment options. Well, we are here to give you the answers. We'll take the time to break down the latest holistic and integrative medical procedures, supplements, and discoveries to help you better understand your body on a molecular level. Please keep in mind, this podcast was created for educational purposes only and should never be used to take place of a medical diagnosis or treatment. As always, make sure to take the time to submit any questions or comments you may have about today's show so we can give you the answers you need. Now, let's get healthy. Hello, everybody. It's Dr. Adelina Eisold here, and today I'm excited because we are going to be talking about breast Cancer Awareness Month, but more so specifically talking about prevention for breast cancer. And obviously, this month of October, we want to focus on our survivors, those that maybe are struggling, or those that are maybe trying to find a little bit of guidance in that prevention realm. The things that I really wanted to discuss, like our discussion points, would be, you know, our risk factors, you know, different signs and symptoms to be looking for but truly prevention. And I want to discuss the different conventional treatment options along with the complementary treatment. Unfortunately, we know that breast cancer is a malignant growth that begins in the tissues of the breast. It is the second most common cancer among American women. About one in eight women in the United States will develop an invasive breast cancer in their lifetime. So obviously being a female puts you more at risk, but this is not a female sole concern, okay? Men can also be at risk for breast cancer, especially if there's a genetic attribute. Being older in age, so obviously over 20, but specifically the age range is 50 to 70. And that's interesting because that's also the time frame where a lot of our hormones are shifting. Having a family history, so genetics is a huge factor. I mean, we all talk about the BRCA1, BRCA2, HER1, HER2, those different types of genes and how they can increase your risk as a family member for that cancer. If you've had any past radiation exposure, that's why, you know, we have to kind of think about when we talk about the conventional treatment approaches, or I guess prevention screening tools that they have, they all kind of expose us to radiation. So here we are going to get our mammography to, you know, detect any possible cancers, but we're being exposed to radiation in that fact. So it's like, okay, so I'm doing something to to look for something and I might be getting it. So let's think about that. Breast density, that's something that nobody really talks about because some of us, you know, we don't really touch ourselves enough. I think it's really, really important for us to get to know our breasts, know what they feel like, know the different lumps and bumps that are specific for you. Have I noticed any changes? But so many of us struggle with breast density, so we have denser breast tissue, so it's really hard to evaluate and maybe use some of the tools out there to gauge if there is any cancer growth development occurring. Our ethnicity contributes to our risks for breast cancer, and even like what our menstrual cycles have been. That's why it's so critical to, to really keep track of your cycles, to know kind of where it's happening in every month. What are your cycles like? Are you noticing any irregularities? Because those are direct connections to what your hormones are doing throughout your body. So 
I always just want my, my listeners and my patients to pay attention to your body. Get connected to who you are. So some signs and symptoms of maybe something that, you know, is atypical for breast health would be redness of breast, changes in breast size or shape. So if one day you're noticing, wow, this bra is a little bit tighter or my one breast is larger in size to the other. If you start noticing, oh, I'm having nipple changes or discharge, any swelling in your armpits, thickening or ridged or dimpled skin texture, that's a huge one. I always tell women to look in the mirror and kind of go through different positions, like lift your arm over your head, you know, kind of shrug your shoulders forward and really kind of see, are you noticing any irregularities in that skin texture? Breast cancer carries the most common indicator being a lump in the breast tissue. The earlier it is caught, the less likely it'll spread to other tissues in the body. So what is something that we can be doing as women to prevent these lumps and such from sneaking up on us? Well, self-breast exams, getting, like I said, to know your breasts. And this is something that you can do weekly. You know, I think it's really important to know what would be the best way to to do these steps. So like step one, let's lay down on our back with one hand behind our head using the pads of your three middle fingers from your opposite hand to examine your breast. You're going to move your three fingers in a in dime size circles. Do three circles in one spot, starting with light pressure, then medium, and then getting a little bit deeper and walk your fingers to the next section without lifting your hand. What's really important is to know that you want to start at your breastbone, so kind of in the middle where your sternum is, work your way down your breast and back up, and kind of doing like a zigzag through that tissue. And you want to spend extra time in the armpits. The reason being is that when you go get a mammogram and those other screening tools that we're going to talk about, you know, I don't know if many of you are, have um, experienced it, but, you know, they're just basically grabbing the breast tissue, placing it on an, basically a big x-ray board, and then they have this device that kind of comes down and squishes that breast tissue flat to see if there's any density or, you know, potential growth there. But if you already have dense breasts, you know, that can be really uncomfortable. It's also not you know, it's not prevention. Mammograms are not prevention. I can't stress that enough. It's so interesting because they're going to find it's detection. They're going to find something once it's there. So, you know, when you're kind of doing your own self breast exams, you're able to cover more surface area. You're able to get in that limb, the lymphatic system, which is all those different ducts that move your immune system that can be really affected in type in different types of breast cancer. So spending extra time by your collarbone, your sternum, your armpits, you're really working on prevention and looking at the entirety aspect of your breast tissue. So you want to gently squeeze the nipple as well to look for any pain or discharge. And if you notice anything weird, like let somebody know. You always want to kind of keep track of where you are in your cycles. If you are a cycling female, just because your breasts can look different, but that's why it's so important to check your breasts throughout the, the month because you can know, oh, I'm about to get my period next month or next week. And that's why they feel a little bit fuller or more sensitive today because you have to really connect with that part of you. And I think that that's a big part of prevention is like knowing what your normal is, listening to your body and know that this is my body. This is what I know. 
And so when something goes off, I mean, so many women, how do you think they find out they have breast cancer? You think they go in and get it? They find it themselves through doing these things like, oh, that doesn't feel right. And how I explain it to patients is if you're noticing like a pebble or like a rocky kind of feeling like a round, you know, very dense, something that, you know, it almost feels like I said, like a pebble that would be more indicative of something to be concerned about opposed to maybe a lumpy bumpy like a jelly bean or like, you know, maybe something that's more cystic in nature because oftentimes um, we're more prone to cystic um, breast changes and, and lumps and bumps. So I can't stress it enough. Pay attention and do yourself breast exams. So let's say you find something, you go into your Western provider and you say, I feel something, you know, What's the first thing they do? They send you off to a mammogram and then they might do an MRI and then they do ultrasound if they're if they're still inconclusive, inconclusive results, which is kind of like backwards thinking. If you ask me, ideally, I always advocate and recommend to my patients to try to look for maybe some of those more comfortable as well as effective tools like breast ultrasounds for us to evaluate the full breast tissue alongside those lymph chains and all throughout your your breast area. So finding a good provider that's willing. And the unfortunate piece is that it, oftentimes we're following the guidelines of our insurance companies and not following our own intuition and our own ways like we're being exposed to radiation with mammograms. I'm not saying, you know, if you're somebody that has no risk factors, like the health histories, things like that, and you are like, well, where can I start to be preventative? Getting prevent like ultrasounds maybe once a year could be a great tool for you, okay? Also, we're familiar with different tools like uh, thermography. Well, that will specifically allow us to see if there's any blood flow or supply being presented to that breast tissue area, but I can't stress enough being working with somebody that's trained in thermography and is very acclimated to specific breast tissue because things can look differently with thermography. Like if a woman like came in and like bumped into the chair and bumped her breast, well, that might show up and that can be, you know, showing a little bit of, you know, blood flow there. And if to an untrained eye, that could be means for something scarier. But practitioners that are well-trained and versed in thermography can better guide and dictate that for you. So so some other, I guess, preventative tools by eventually, you know, maybe further down the road looking at mammography um, or MRIs. It's just like I, as a naturopath, I'm always trying to seek looking for non-invasive approaches to support my patients. And ultrasound, thermography, and even a device called Real Touch ID could be great tools to evaluate that breast health tissue, especially if you're somebody, like I said, that has denser breast tissue. But there are other factors that we can be doing for prevention. But now we discuss some of the screening tools that I feel like are more in in the mix of what I believe to be a, a least invasive approach. But let's say you went and got your typical mammogram as the, the guidelines state. They did find some some densities that they're concerned about. Well, they would typically do, the Western model would say, okay, let's do some radiation therapy to kill those cancer cells. Let's do a, either a surgical removal uh, to remove that those cancerous tissues. They do sentinel lymph node biopsies followed by surgery, targeted therapy to block the growth of cancer cells, chemotherapy to kill cancer cells, 
hormone therapy to slow or stop the growth of hormone-sensitive tumors. So very invasive, right? They're, they're basically, they're attacking it. And we're so grateful for the Western medical system because, you know, we, we, we want to be able to have access to these tools if need be. But if we want to be preventative and proactive with our breast health to not be one of the, those statistics, well, start doing yourself breast exams. Find somebody that, that provides those tools like ultrasound or thermography or real touch ID so that you can be doing that with your annual physical or support. So there are a lot of complementary therapies out there. What I mean is that if you're somebody that's already undergoing your battle potentially with breast cancer, a lot of different tools like traditional Chinese medicine, acupuncture, meditation, eating, obviously, a healthy anti-inflammatory diet, having proper supplementation, depending on what your current treatment protocol is. I can't stress that enough, having an integrative oncologist or somebody that's willing to work with a naturopath, somebody that that's trained in looking at what type of chemotherapeutic agent you're using to increase its efficacy and decrease those side effects. IV therapy, you know, we'll talk about some preventative nutrients that we need to be conscientious of. And one of the big ones is vitamin C. Well, vitamin C is our most potent antioxidant. That's why if anybody's undergoing cancer treatments or has a history of cancer, bumping up that uh, vitamin C is definitely critical. Specifically, we do offer IV therapies, high dose vitamin C to really help kill those cancer cells and help replenish, I guess, get that cellular debris out, do the mechanism of what antioxidants are intended to do with that vitamin C and bypassing that digestive tract. Music therapy, physical therapy, thermography, ultrasound, mammography, we talked about those. Those are all different screening tools that can be used alongside those more conventional treatments that we've just listed. So now let's talk about proper supplementation. If you're somebody that's looking and seeking a little bit of guidance there on how to be preventative for any you know, breast health abnormalities. Well, vitamin D. Optimizing your vitamin D is one of the most critical things you can do to reduce your risk of breast cancer, okay? And I cannot stress that enough. So knowing your vitamin D is step one. So if you're not somebody that's getting your vitamin D tested, I cannot stress it enough. Please get in and, and ask. And th these are things that you should be asking your general practitioner. It's embarrassing that it's not something that's typically ordered, but you definitely want to ask and see if you can get those markers to kind of see where you're falling to see what dosage you might need to incorporate. Because if you think of the areas and the regions where breast cancer is most prevalent, it tends to be the areas that have a lack of sunlight. Scandinavian countries, you know, unfortunately, the highest risks are nuns. Nuns have one of the highest risks because they cover their body. They don't get the sunlight, you know, throughout their, their body to get that exposure. So if you see a nun, give them some vitamin D. No, I'm, I'm just kidding. But truly, you know, you have like, we don't think about these things, but that sunshine vitamin helps specifically with reducing our risk. Okay. We talked about the vitamin C. The last nutrient that I really want to touch upon is iodine. Well, iodine is a specific nutrient that we all know it best commonly for our thyroid function, okay? But as I mentioned in, in my thyroid lecture series previously is that your thyroid doesn't work alone. Your thyroid, your sex hormones, your adrenals, they all work together. And so if you're having an imbalance there, it can be affecting things downstream. 
but specifically knowing what your iodine status is. And what I when I say that to patients, they're always like, well, how do I know if I need iodine? Well, your thyroid lab values can be a dictator there, but there is a, a simple iodine patch test that you can perform. So you purchase simple Lugol's iodine that you can be getting and you can add that iodine to your skin, like just like a little droplets there, make a circle and place that on, note the time that you place that on your skin and kind of see if your body is deficient, then you're, you will be most likely that that iodine you place on your skin will be absorbed right up. If you're somebody that has adequate amount of iodine, well, guess what? That mark will stay just as red and present as it was the minute they put it on your skin. And rarely would you see that not be absorbed right up because everybody's kind of somewhat lacking in it. But if you're somebody that's actively supplementing and you notice, hey, my I did my iodine patch at 7.15 p.m. last night. I woke up and it was gone. Well, that might mean that either your body's not absorbing it, you're not taking enough, or you're not taking the right form. So I definitely want patients to know that. And we can do evaluations like different micronutrient assessments to evaluate your iodine status. Like I said, looking just at a, at a thyroid panel can give us insights on your iodine because your thyroid is basically, your those hormones are made up of iodine. But incorporating iodine-rich sources of foods in your diet could also be a tool. And so tune in to the lecture series, kind of go back and listen to those because we talk specifically about all the foods that are rich in iodine. An interesting study that came out is that a lot of Japanese Americans now, females that moved from Japan where they eat so much iodine-rich sources of foods, they moved to our country and their risk of developing breast cancer went way up. And so it's like, well, why are we seeing this? Well, because they're not eating their their typical diet that they were accustomed to eating, all the seaweed, all those rich sources of iodine. So we can't stress it enough. Iodine testing, evaluating, and having that as a tool can help because also in so many instances, I've recommended iodine topically for women that maybe struggle with fibrocystic breast changes because your breast tissue is very receptive to iodine. So it can help actually dissipate some of those different lumps and, and cystic formations because your body might be lacking in that nutrient to help with it. So there's so many tools. That's why I love naturopathic medicine. But today I just really wanted to touch on, you know, when we're talking about breast cancer awareness, it's, you know, nobody talks about prevention. They talk about detection. They talk about the treatments, but they're never talking about prevention and, you know, obviously moving your body. And a lot of the, the staples that we talk about here all the time, you know, being, you know, eating a healthy, lower inflammatory diet, being conscientious of your, your proper nutrients that your body needs to, to reduce that risk. And so I'm really grateful that everybody could kind of tune in today and learn a little bit about breast health. And if you have anybody that you know is potentially struggling or wants a little bit of guidance, please send them in. I'm more than happy to also recommend the most appropriate screening tools, supplementation, testing that might be beneficial for them.